0: I knew if Whole Foods' John Mackey and I were going to sit under the trees for a Super Soul conversation, we're going to have to meet at the store first. Wow, this excites me. Yo, ho. Welcome. John, hi. How are you?
1: Great. How are you doing? Oprah? This excites
0: me. Thank I get you excited. so much for coming. I get excited
1: in produce. Man. Me too. That's why I... we wanted to start here. Oh,
0: my God. It makes <laughs> me so happy. Like when I pass the greens at first. Oh, my goodness. It's my favorite section. Me as well. It's the healthiest section. Do you know that when this Whole Foods was coming, like a couple of years ago, it was like the second coming. It was like people were talking about it. We were so excited about it.
1: Word spread. I know. It's it's
0: still gratifying that people get excited. excited. (laughs) People get excited. Like, did you hear a Whole Foods is coming to our neighborhood? It helps the stores to get off to good good starts when everybody's anticipating it. It's been said that stepping into a Whole Foods is a little like stepping into John Mackey's brain. (laughs) Now, did you have this vision? Did you sort of have a vision? A
1: vision is something that evolves over time, right? And so, initially, the original vision was very simple, which was to sell healthy food, earn a living, and have fun.
0: Yeah. John says the story of how he helped build one of the world's largest organic and natural food stores began quite organically. Like a lot of young people in the early 70s, John was a free-spirited college student in Austin, Texas, searching for meaning and purpose. He found inspiration in philosophy and religion classes, but felt stifled by the structure and rules of academia. While his parents hoped he would follow a more traditional career path, John realized he would never find his true calling until he followed his heart. He dropped out of college and eventually moved into a co-op where, as he says, he grew his beard long and became a vegetarian. That's when John's passion for food was ignited. He learned to cook and started to realize the convenient frozen dinners of his childhood were not what his body really craved or needed. It was unprocessed, natural foods, whole foods, that called his name. All right, let's look around. Oh my gosh, I love the beans, I love the lentils. I just love this, this, this whole
1: idea. Yeah. Bulk foods were awoken to my consciousness. The first time I saw, like, beans and grains and nuts and seeds and
0: bulk bins, Yeah. that was the first awakening to my food consciousness. Really? Because I got so excited about it. I thought, that's real food. That excitement became his inspiration. At 25, with no business experience and a $45,000 loan from family and friends, John and his then-girlfriend opened a vegetarian health food store with the cheeky name Safer Way. Two years later, the Austin, Texas store evolved into the first Whole Foods market, and the natural foods revolution John Mackey envisioned was officially underway. When you look at how your company has evolved, and how it now serves the world in 380 stores. Is there a sense of contentment and pleasure you feel? Yeah, I mean, sure, I'm happy with what we've accomplished, but I'm more
1: interested in what we're going to create next because it's the journey that's so pleasurable,
0: not arriving on the journey, right? All right, off to my house. First of all, tell me how the idea for Whole Foods came about. I mean, you are the perfect entrepreneur.
1: I mean, honestly, I moved into this vegetarian co-op when I was 23 years old. I wasn't a vegetarian. I never lived in a co-op before. I did it partly because I was young and I thought it would be a good experience. I'd meet interesting people. And I did. And And you had the kind of parents that thought that was okay? I don't even know if I told my parents. (laughs) They probably wouldn't have approved for sure. But I moved in and Uh, My food consciousness really got awakened. In
0: in this communal living? Yes.
1: And I became the food buyer for the co-op. I fell in love with it. I, Joseph Campbell said, I was following my bliss, following my heart. Really felt drawn to it. And the more I learned, the more interested I got. My passion of this really awakened. Mm -hmm. It was about selling healthy food to people,
0: earning a living and having fun. Were you thinking about business or were you thinking about, like, I, I, don't, I don't think I have a business mind at all, but whatever I experience anything, I have a, from the time I was a kid and had a candy bar that I thought was great, I would want to share it with everybody else. Mm-hmm. I just want everybody else to experience it, whether it's a book or it's a candy right. bar or it's a, anything. Was it for you an idea about business in the beginning or was it just I want other people to experience Sure, if I have something I'm excited about, it's natural to
1: want to share that. Yes. Share that with people that you love and share it with your friends and then share it with the larger world. Yes. So uh, I think that type of passion is is very common to entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. We're excited about
0: something. We want to share the excitement. So was your family excited about you going into the grocery business?
1: (laughs) No. I actually uh, tell this story, Oprah, that... My mother died pretty, very t- way too young. She died back in 1987. And the last conversation I had with my mother was on her deathbed. And Whole Foods was pretty small back then. We only had about four or five stores. And my mother had had a stroke, and she hadn't even gotten out of her bed for a couple of years. She, on her deathbed, asked me, because I had never finished college, and she said, John, your father and I have given you a fine mind, and you're wasting it you are a grocer and you could be so much more in life than a grocer. Mm. Promise me you'll go back and finish your degree and go on to medical school, become a lawyer or some type of profession. And, you know, I've, I have a minor regret, which is I was so young and full of pride. That back then, I just told her the truth, which was, Mom, I'm never going back to school. I'm gonna build Whole Foods and this is what I'm excited about. And, and I don't think I'm wasting my time. And, and so, in a sense, my mother died disappointed in, in her son. She thought I was kind of a failure in my life. Of course, now I think back and I think, I wish I'd told her that little white lie, which is, yes, mom, I'm, I'm going to go back to school, absolutely.
0: But if death is anything that I think it is and what so many people on the show talk about it being, she already knows. I hope that's true. Yeah. I've had I've had people tell me
1: that, but yeah. I have no way to verify that. But I hope that's the case, that she's actually really proud of me, et cetera.
0: Yes. So even knowing that your mother was not proud of you and thought that you were just a grocer, you knew in your heart that that's what you really, not just wanted to do, but felt compelled to do. I wasn't
1: striving after the ambition. Part of, part of breaking away in life means you have to follow your own heart, follow your own bliss. And that means sometimes going against what your parents think is best for you Mm -hmm. or what your friends think is best. And so many people don't do that, Oprah. They're afraid to. And I chose to follow my heart and it did cause me to break away from what my parents wanted.
0: Well, Joseph Campbell says that all yes, the time that indeed. that is the hero's journey. That's the hero's journey. You have to leave Absolutely. the the community, you have to leave the safety of what everybody thinks and then be, find your find your truth, find your wisdom and you
1: integrate it back into the community. I have I definitely identify with the hero's
0: journey. Memorial Day weekend 1981 after several hours of torrential rain the worst flood in 70 years hit austin texas the storm devastated the city causing more than 35 million dollars in damage and killing 13 people in its way just eight months after opening its doors whole foods was wiped out
1: it just came in like a tidal wave and it knocked over everything in its path and our store was eight feet underwater Actually, my girlfriend, one of the co-founders, Renee, she literally swam out of the store that night. She closed the store down, and she had to swim out of the store. Oh, my goodness. So we didn't have flood insurance, and we showed up the next day to clean it up, and there's all this mud and sewage and bulk and steaks and fish and all in just a gunky mess. And the next day was what was so staggering about it was I looked around, and these people that were cleaning up the store, I didn't know who they were. I mean, I kind of recognized them, but they weren't working for us. They weren't team members. They were customers and they were neighbors. And they just came and helped us clean up the store. And a lot of them worked there hour after hour, day after day. And I'd asked them, why are you doing this? And they said, I love Whole Foods. You guys can't die. You've got to get reopened. I'm doing my part as a good neighbor and they helped us. Our suppliers gave us new inventory that we could you know, on credit. Mm-hmm. Our bank loaned us additional money on my signature, which I assure you was worthless. <laughs> <laughs> and the investors put more money in, our team but why members, did they
0: do that? Why they, did they, they do that?
1: Because they loved us.
0: Because they believed they in believed what we were in doing. Us.
1: They believed in us, they cared about us, they thought we were good people with integrity and that we would make it right. We were determined to get reopened at that point, just to pay everybody back. And I realized that we were no better than the community that we were part of, that we were we were simpatico with them.
0: Over the past 34 years, Whole Foods has grown into a nearly $14 billion company with 85,000 employees in 380 stores around the world. And that remarkable success goes way beyond the numbers. Whole Foods has been listed as one of Fortune magazine's best places to work for a staggering 17 years in a row. I was surprised when I asked you in the store, I bet if I were to do a blood pressure measurement that my blood pressure goes up when I go in there because I get so excited when I see those. I bet I bet there's a, something that I get a I have other surge. people tell me the opposite, though. Really, that well, they calm sure, down? because they
1: calm down. And,
0: and I tell them it's because the team members, they're relaxed. That's what you call your workers? Yes. Team members, yes. right. Why does it cost so much? Because you know you have the reputation, people call it whole paycheck sometimes. Well, of course, I think that reputation is not completely
1: deserved, but uh, we are selling the highest quality foods that we can find. Yeah. And quality quality costs, costs more generally. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we have lots of less expensive. We try to, we ha- try to have the highest quality and yet we also try to have affordability as well and what we found like when we opened our store in detroit that we could put in high quality but less expensive items that would enable the people with lower incomes to be able to afford to eat i healthily. know
0: that is the last place anybody thought a whole food store would work
1: and now we've opened a store similar to detroit in new orleans yeah i think whole foods can open stores like that all over the united states
0: We talk a lot on on Super Soul Sunday about finding meaning and purpose in our lives. Have you found yours through Whole Foods?
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Whole Foods has been kind of my uh, ashram. Mm -hmm. It's been my temple or my place where my own spiritual growth has has accelerated as a result of of Whole Foods, no question.
0: And you say that there are a few questions that we all have to ask ourselves uh, to discover our higher purpose. What are they? Um, we have to ask those questions about uh,
1: what do we care most about? What, ge- what gets us excited? What are we passionate about? If we ask the questions about what do we most care about? What, gives us, what gets us excited? What are we passionate about? What gets us up in the morning? What do we dream about? Those are like windows into our soul. Those
0: give indications of what our higher, deeper purpose is. And yet most people never really stop to ask those questions. Did you? I did. Um,
1: I- I'll tell you a little story about uh, about how I kind of got going on my path, uh, mm-hmm. even before Whole Foods. I was studying, I was in University of Texas in Austin. You don't sound year Texan. Really... Well, I can talk Texan when I want to. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, I was studying, I was reading a book by this philosopher, John Paul Sartre, called... Uh, you Be- you major
0: in philosophy, yes, didn't you? called oh. Being
1: in Nothingness. It's a big, thick tome. Uh, I like Sartre's novels, but this, this book was boring. Mm-hmm. I'm reading it because it was a signed text, right? And one night, I was about 19 years old, I just picked the book up, I threw it down on the ground. I said, I'm not gonna read out anymore, I don't wanna read that book anymore, I don't like it. And then I thought to myself, you know what, I'm not even gonna, I'm never gonna read another book in my life I don't wanna read. I dropped that course the next day. Then I started dropping course after course because I made this vow to myself that I was only gonna do things that I really wanted to do.
0: Damn it, how old were you? 19. I'm just doing that at 60.
1: I have 120 hours of electives. Wow. But no degree because I just took courses I was interested in. I just studied what I was passionate about. And, And then I made this leap to, I'm never ever gonna do anything in my life that I don't really want to do. And from that point forward, I took control of my own life. And when you're young, if you
0: know... So early on, you had the kind of higher consciousness or certainly clarity about yourself to really form your own path. I
1: think at an early age, uh, Oprah, I became very conscious of death. I got that we are just passing through here. Mm -hmm. We look around, and this is a beautiful world, yeah. and we should enjoy the beauty of it, but we can't stay here. We're just moving through it. And so, life is short. It's too short, really, in my opinion,
0: to and do And you say things. death is certain, for sure. Death is certain. Nobody gets out of here alive. Nobody's getting out alive. Nobody's getting out alive. So then the question becomes, you say, how are you gonna live it? Yes, what is
1: your purpose? Why are you alive? I mean, we, I think we reference in the book, the. Uh, we, the two most important days of a human being's life. Day number one is the day you were born. Most people think that day number two is when their first child is born or when mm-hmm. they get married or when they die. Mm-hmm. But of course, when you die, that's the end of your life. No, the second most important day of your life is the day you discover why you were born. Wow. So I discovered that at a pretty early age, and I've been fairly true to it uh, ever since. And it's it's led me on this incredibly wonderful journey. I'm very happy, I'm very fulfilled. So let's talk about conscious capitalism. What does it mean? Well, to be conscious is to be more aware.
0: Yeah. Um, which is the same thing as being
1: spiritual, which we concluded. Yes, I think consciousness and spiritual are synonyms, but consciousness is less threatening, mm-hmm. as a word. doesn't have religious connotations, which can put people off. Right. But, uh, most businesses engaged in at, at not a very conscious level. And business is in this pretty narrow box that it's all about just making money. But to engage in conscious capitalism is to understand the purpose of business beyond just making money, the higher purpose of your business, and to engage in business in this more conscious way, to provide leadership that's done more consciously, to help people to be fulfilled in the workplace, Oprah, business can be this incredible force for good. It, it already is, largely, but because it's done unconsciously, it doesn't reach its highest potential. Because if, if you really genuinely care about your customers or care about your viewers, yeah. people know that. They know when they're being sold something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And they
1: know when somebody's authentically caring about them. When we feel that somebody genuinely cares about us, yeah. we trust them. And if we trust them, we want to trade with them.
0: That's what happened with you in the store. That's why people were there mopping
1: up. I, yeah, I think that's true. One of the interesting things that we discovered is that you can't have a conscious business if the leadership is not conscious. When you grow as a human being, when you evolve, when you become more conscious. More self-actualized. Yes, or more self-actualized. That's, you're not doing that just for yourself. Absolutely. You're doing that for your family, you're doing that for your organization that you're part of. Your in community. Fact, I would say if you're a leader of an organization, you have an ethical responsibility to grow as a human being, to become more conscious. Ooh. Because only as you do that will your, own, will your organization be able to evolve too. Yeah. Otherwise, you're holding it back. I know at Whole Foods, I held the company back. I had to, I had to become more conscious in order for Whole Foods. mean working on yourself? Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Initially, when the company was getting started, I came at it just strictly for my intellect, for my mind. But at some point, I realized, unless I'm willing to engage and open my heart, the company so much wants my love. Unless I'm willing to open that, Whole Foods is not gonna achieve its potential, or I'm gonna have to leave. So finally, I, I, I was able to crack it open and let that love flow. Once I could do that, then it, it gave everybody else permission to do it too.
0: It sounds so counterintuitive to what we've been trained in our society about what business is. Let my heart open and, you know, literally crack it open and let the love flow through. Author Brene Brown says that, wrote, wrote this great book called Daring Greatly, and she says that vulnerability really is a great strength. Do you believe that? Uh, you can be a good leader and also still show vulnerability? I don't think you can be a good leader without showing some vulnerability. I
1: think it's come to that because because when we're vulnerable we're authentic Mm -hmm. and people don't want the leader to be perfect. They want the leader to be authentic and real and genuine and showing your humanness uh, helps people realize that they too could be a leader if you are so much above people and you put forth some type of image of yourself as perfect, you hold everybody else back.
0: Absolutely. You're, you're not enabling other people to, to grow. I love this, This you, you write about a quality you describe as spiritual intelligence. Yes. Yes, define that. You said that having high IQ isn't enough. How can you tell if someone has high spiritual intelligence?
1: Spiritual intelligence has to do, first of all, with people uh, having that sense of higher purpose that we talked about. Yeah. Uh, spiritual intelligence is recognizing purpose. And some people have the natural ability to see meaning and purpose. Mm-hmm. Spiritual intelligence also correlates very closely with one sense of truth and beauty and goodness. These are things that our souls metabolize to be healthy. We need beauty, we need truth, and we need goodness. High spiritual intelligence has those qualities recognizes them and values them, and recognizes it in the world. Wow. And finally, I think a good indicator of spiritual intelligence is a strong sense of ethics. What is right? People, people with high spiritual intelligence know when something's wrong. Yeah. And they know when something's right, and they're pretty clear about it. How would you score on
0: the spiritual intelligence scale? I score well enough to know I have a long way to go still. <laughs> How has your spiritual life informed your business life? In every
1: way. I don't see a separation. Uh, my spiritual life is part of my work, and my work is part of my spiritual life. They're, mm. they're, they're, they're on a continuum.
0: Do you have a daily practice that keeps you connected, that keeps you in the, the realm of Daily practice is a little tricky
1: in the sense that uh, my life is so diverse, but in the, in the spirit of what you're asking, the answer is yes. Um, I'm fortunate my wife's a yoga teacher, and she keeps me do Oh, that's good. Yes, it is very good. Marry a yoga teacher. If you want to keep practicing yoga, uh, I do meditate. If I can do 20 minutes, I consider that to be pretty good. But I think the main type of meditation that I do is a more of an insight meditation, which is to be present in the moment. If we're conscious in the moment, and I don't I mean not caught in our daydreams, not caught in our in the mind chatter, just being present in the moment, uh, and being aware for what shows up internally and what's showing up around you, and being conscious of that, uh, that's my main type of practice that i that I try to do on
0: a daily basis. Ooh. Well, if you can do that, that's it. I mean, Tolle says if you can do you can do that, if you can just be present in every moment, or as often as possible, come back to your breath, that that's worth all the meditating in the world. And the wonderful thing about uh, what Tolly's saying there is
1: that if we forget, it's okay. Because just Cause come back. Because you just come back. Just come back. <laughs> exactly. That's right. It is, it is a spiritual muscle, don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, it's funny how people oftentimes, we know that if we want to get physically fit, we need to walk or, or run or or swim, or dance, or bike, or lift weights, or whatever. We have to discipline ourselves. Well, we have to discipline our minds if we're going to get uh, more skilled. As you say, it's a
0: muscle, and as we practice it, it gets, it gets stronger, it gets better. So I know you do long-distance hiking. Mm. You've done several of the major trails. Yes. Um, what happens to you out there? The great thing about uh,
1: going long distance backpacking or hiking is that um, nature has kind of its own rhythm. Like we're in this beautiful setting and if you were to tune into it, you would see that it has its own pace. But what happens when you go on a long distance hike, Oprah, or when I go out for a week or two, is that my mind begins to slow down and begins to synchronize with the nature that I'm out experiencing. That's very soothing for my soul. And it also, my creative, um, with my mind slowed down, and uh, my own creative ideas goes up a couple of notches. So I find long distance hikes, I get a lot of my best ideas. When I'm out there, I'm away from the business, I'm synced in well with nature, I see the beauty around me, and flashes of new ideas begin to emerge. Well, that's where all creativity
0: comes from. Exactly. So you say Whole Foods Market would not exist today were it not for the power of love. You know, as I was reading the book, I saw love so many times, I asked the producers to count how many times. You mentioned love over 140 times in this book. That's it? Yeah. (laughs) I I gotta work on that. We'll get get more in on the
1: next edition. So what does love have to do with business? Love has pretty much been in the corporate closet, hidden away, because love is seen as sort of weak. Oh, that's a bunch of idealistic, soft stuff.
0: Yeah, And that sounds
1: good, but in the real world it's competitive out there. It's kill or be killed, and if you're not prepared to to do what's necessary, you're gonna fail. Well, (laughs) those metaphors are way out of date. We live in this far more complex world of relationships, and teamwork, and community, and family, and love is what unites Communities together. Love is what connects a family together.
0: Yeah.
1: I say love is what connects an, an organization
0: together. Yeah, yeah. What makes for a great entrepreneur? What do you think are the qualities? I do recognize a certain type.
1: Yeah. You know, there is a certain type that makes a good entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is not a lot of the stereotypes that people have about it. First of all, entrepreneurs are highly creative. Some people see problems, and an entrepreneur sees opportunities. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneur sees something that's missing. She or he can see that this is something that will create value for other people. This is something I wish existed. Oftentimes, entrepreneurs have some type of passion or dream that they want to realize in the world. And I think entrepreneurs are highly creative dreamers who then don't just dream They go make their dreams happen. They create their dreams. They're dream creators.
0: I love that. I want to wrap up and read something that you said to one of my producers. You said, life is short, so don't cheat yourself. You need to follow your inner guidance. And Joseph Campbell is right. We're all on a hero's journey. We just don't know it. Some answer the call, and some don't. I answered it. I love that. Thank you. All right, we're going to do soul to soul. What's the soul?
1: What is the soul? The soul is the deepest inner part of our being. It's it's where the deepest essence of who we really are exists.
0: Do you have a definition for God?
1: <sighs> uh, <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> God is the creative force that lies behind all that is. God is, and I. God is love. God is the essence, that creative essence of all that is. Oh, that's a
0: great one. That's a great one. Uh, where do you feel most at home or at peace? I'm most at home probably when I'm with my wife
1: at our place we have in the country. I'm happiest and I feel most at home there with her.
0: What is the lesson, John, that's taken you the longest to learn?
1: (laughs) The lesson I haven't yet learned. Mm. And so that's not a trick answer. It just means that sometimes we learn our lesson when we're ready to learn it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that the lesson that I'm continuing to learn. Yeah, what keeps showing up for you? We have a wake. We are powerful beings, Oprah. I mean, everyone is. And we ripple out into this world in ways that we don't even, we're not conscious of. So because of that, we have such a responsibility Mm
0: -hmm.
1: to not hurt people. And so part of my ongoing lesson is to be kind and gentle and not harm people with my words Mm -hmm. or my actions. To show up and be present and in my heart and a loving being. All the time, a hundred
0: percent of the time, mm-hmm.
1: that's still my biggest life lesson.
0: I felt that every day you know before I would go and do any show for twenty five years, I'd come downstairs on the elevator, and that was my private, quiet time in the elevator, regardless of what the show was. Are you
1: most at home in the elevator?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Not really, but at least I could be away, at least there'd be nobody in the elevator right. with me. You at least privacy. Yeah, privacy little... in the elevator. And I'd have that moment where I'd ask God to speak for me and to speak through me, because I realized that platform of speaking to millions of people all over the world, that my little personal egoic self was not capable of managing all of that unless I opened myself up to understand that it's something bigger going on here than myself. You just sent chills down my spine. You know why? Why? Because I do
1: exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. Any time before I'm going to go speak, I did that today really? before I came here. Absolutely. I said exactly the same thing. Please speak through me. Let my heart be clear. Let. Beauty and truth and goodness come through me. Let me help channel
0: that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Hey, good, 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 good. So, what do you think? Why do you think we're here, John? What is the purpose of human experience? To wake up,
1: to To wake wake up, to wake up who we really are Mm -hmm. and to manifest love. Human beings need to live on this planet truly in our hearts and truly in the love space. Otherwise, we're going to destroy this place.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And we are destroying it. So we've got to go to this higher consciousness of love. Yeah. And as we do that, we will heal ourselves. We'll heal our families. We'll heal our society. We'll heal this planet. And we will be then on this planet as I think we're supposed to be. Finish this sentence. The world needs? To wake up and be more loving. I believe. We can. Success is? Success is fulfilling your higher purpose in life. The thing that feeds my soul is? Loving and being loved by other people. What do you know for sure? Um, I know that this is a mystery, and this is a beautiful, uh, beautiful place. and. It's a gift to be alive, and we should absolutely make the most of it. Thank you, John Mackey. Thank you, Oprah.
0: That was it, guys. Fantastic. I enjoyed it so much. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.